Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for Tuesday Terror here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Hello, strange world. Welcome to the Aldergate Papers. My name is Adrian Ward, and these singed and crumpled pages are my diary, a record of the final days of my former life. I remember almost nothing of the story they contain, and the more I read, the less I wish to know. There is a shadow over Aldergate University, a shadow from which I barely escaped with my life, a shadow into which I must now step once more. And you're coming with me. So, where were we? When we left our hero, he had penetrated the subterranean sanctum of the Office of Invitation, in search of answers that may lead him to the truth behind Samantha Braden's murder. Those answers, if they exist, are in the keeping of the estimable, venerable, and surprisingly flexible scholar of the law, Dr. Dedi Hamid. Deddy has agreed to lead our hero to what he seeks, a journey that, having already drawn him to the bowels of the university, must take him deeper still. This is Day Nine, Part Six, The Invitorium. It is the ninth day of the return to Aldergate. The time and place of writing is early afternoon, in the back room of the Colonial Independent Mercantile and Tea Room. We begin. <sighs> Twist. It is remarkable, you know, how astonishingly wrong some people can manage to be. Live dangerously, Kirk Bryce likes to say. You can't play it safe all the time. Gotta get some excitement in your life. Can't win if you don't risk losing. Hmm, silly idiot. First of all, what Bryce thinks he is going to teach you about winning, you've no idea. And as for the excitement in your life, trust an egomaniac like him to assume it doesn't exist just because he isn't invited. 
Hmm. But of all the everything Kirk Bryce has gotten wrong in every aspect of his execrable existence, there's something especially dopey about his idea that living dangerously has got anything to do with thrill-seeking. That's not your experience. When he skives off work to go base-jumping from the Burj Khalifa, he always acts like he's today's tech-set Tom Sawyer, when really he's got a team of experts, a raft of top-end equipment, and all the laws of physical science protecting his stupid head from going splash. Dangerously? Ha, that's just living obnoxiously. No. A dangerous life is built from those low visibility risks that are simply easier to take than to avoid. After all, where's the harm? The hour's not so very late, the road is not so very wet, and really, what's one more glass before you go? And really, where's the harm in your taking sibling out for a breath of air like this? You are in a public place, to be sure. But, thanks to the mercantile's inspired use of table tents, you're quite well protected from prying eyes. As long as they don't pry too hard. And if somebody does happen to see... Well, what are the odds they'd know what they were seeing? Almost zero. Yes. Almost zero, but not zero. Meaning that there is a not zero chance that you are going to die. That lots of people are going to die. And all just so you can check your inbox. Just so you can be annoyed. By another bloody email. From Kirk Bloody Bryce. <sighs> when you didn't hear from him yesterday, you'd hoped against hope that perhaps he'd packed it in. The sudden burst of attention that Cryptek got in the wake of your moment of celebrity is the sort of thing a firm in that line of work must handle delicately. Big upside, big downside. You'd clung to the small hope that, if you just ignored Bryce, he'd be a good, responsible little CEO and bugger off home to mind the baby. <laughs> that small hope has coughed and died. It seems that Bryce persists in being a blot on the Aldergate landscape. And, as your luck would have it, He's not so overwhelmed with engagements that he couldn't spare a moment or two for his old compadre, Mr. W to the A-R-D. <sighs> what the twist does he want? If he came to cheer you onto the throne, well, you're sitting comfortably, thanks so much. As far as he knows, at least. So, he can clear off now. And that goes double if he's come to beg. The worst of it is that you're probably being dreadfully unkind. 
The man's such a freak of nature, you wouldn't put it past him really to have come all this way just because he likes you, misses you, even. Wants to raise a glass to what he probably thinks of as the good old days. Wish you well on this new leg of your life's journey. You could spare him ten minutes and a cup of coffee. That wouldn't kill you, surely. Hmm. It might do, if Sir John Hoborn has got round him and is staking him out as bait. Then again, if Black Jack has been reduced to recruiting pillocks like Kirk Bryce, then he's more to be pitied than censured. Hmm. Yes. You could agree to see Bryce. At least give him the chance to disappoint you. Hmm. But, no. No, dash it, you can't. You mustn't. If he is just trying to be pals, well, not really fair of you to be taking on pals at the moment, is it? Not when they stand an even chance of becoming collateral damage. And if this is some sort of soft power influence game he's playing, you won't stand for that either. You won't be wooed, and you won't be lobbied. And you don't want anything he can give you, except the pleasure of his absence. <laughs> uh, hello. The Vox in Ordita is just about shouting itself hoarse. No surprise. Perhaps you can offer Bryce up to the bastards as your substitute. They'd like him, the hierarchy-conscious little twerp. They are going at it properly. Voxen's about ready to blow a fuse. You are still unmentionable, of course, but you've clutched in a few tripwires relating to Sir John, and they are twanging like a banjo philharmonic. The pressure is being felt, self, as you knew it would. With luck, it will paralyze them entirely. However much time it buys you, you're making the most of it, believe it or not. To the casual observer, it might appear that bad little Adrian has been lazing about for the past two hours, scratching in his journal and stuffing himself with waffles. But, oh, how wrong that casual observer would be. Well, not about the waffles. But you are coming to realize that this diary business is actually far more important than you expected it to be. You only started it as a means to track your comings and goings. Still a worthy exercise, particularly with all the walkabouting you've been doing. Now it's far more than that, however. You are hot on a murderer's trail, after all. And this diary gives you the chance to... Follow in your own footsteps, as it were. Pick up clues you missed on the first go-round. <laughs> Adrian Ward, the diarist detective. That could be your gimmick. All the greats have got one. Sherlock Holmes has his observation and deduction, which is really induction, but never mind. Hercule Poirot has his order and method, 
not to mention the ability to never be suspected, no matter how many dozens of murders pop up every time he goes on holiday. <sighs> now, now, Batman and Lord Peter Whimsey both get by on just being richer and cleverer than everybody else. The former's not a problem, but the latter is tricky at Aldergate, isn't it? Your villain may not be wearing a costume, and Balliol wits don't shine quite so bright at Elden House. <sighs> Miss Marple's got her village. Father Brown's got his oppressively self-satisfied Catholicism. And Detective Ward has his diary. His secret second glance, stripped of the dazzling urgency of life as lived. It's not quite top-tier, as signature moves go. Suppose it could only work when the crime scene's your home, and the victim's your friend. But, assuming it does work, that is good enough. Best carry on, then. Back underground with you. Back to the Invitorium. Yes, the Invitorium. You could tell that Deddy intended it to impress you, and you'd every intention of playing along. But, as it happened, no pretense was required. <laughs> and to think, yesterday you'd have said you'd seen every possible variation on the theme of boardroom. Oh, everybody tries to set their own distinctive tone. Porsche dresses, integrated water features, high-rise views of expensive skylines. You couldn't begin to count the number of tables you sat down at that were made from a petrified tree trunk or the hull of a recovered U-boat or something. <laughs> Turns out that if you're aiming for a really distinctive ambiance... It's not the size of your conference table that matters. It's where you stick it. Specifically, in a cave. <sighs> no, not a cave. A cavern. I'm not sure what the technical difference is, if there even is one. But, in your mind at least, caves are dirty, cramped things, full of bats and Bears and hairy blokes scribbling on the walls. The Invitorium is something else entirely. A great, knobbly, smooth stone cavity in the earth. As Deddy stepped through the door, the Stygian darkness melted round him in a pool of ambient glow that flowed outward and across the toothy dome till the whole glistening grotto floated in an amber twilight. Huh. You've never been in a cavern before, so you can't really say if the Invitorium is typical of the species. If it is, well, you applaud the decision to keep them stashed safely underground and out of sight. An alien, uncertain place. The walls hang thick with clusters of mineral gills, like fossil shelf fungi in the shell of a great rotten tree. Hmm. At first glance, you are struck by the sheer 
What's it of the place? You don't know the word for it. There may not be one. You ought to say organic. But organic, like an organ. It was like stepping into this stony spleen or gizzard or something, of some giant, infinitely cold-blooded thing. As if, had you hung about for a century or two, the folds and nodules might have got round to digesting you. Made you a bit reluctant to let go the breath you'd brought with you. But it's funny. There's nothing scrubbed or indoorsified about the inventorium, besides the lighting, of course. But the air is almost startlingly sterile-tasting. Just the faintest metallic tang, and the smell of cold water. Yes, cold water. Yesterday you would have objected that that isn't a smell. Now you know that it is. <laughs> the inventorium has its own integrated water feature. A little stream running through. Not more than a trickle, really, but... Slow and steady, what? That's got to be what hollowed the place out. A thin, dark ribbon that seeps endlessly from somewhere up in the high, spike-thickety ceiling and runs down the wall and under the big, table-like object at the bottom of the basin. So, that's the inventorium for you. It's quite a big space. You'd be hard-pressed to say just how big. The irregular shape and all the crinkly bits make it difficult to judge. From Deddy's door to the matching one on the other side is probably about as far as you could throw an average ice cube without taking your jacket off. Not that you'd ever do such a thing. You'd be sure to hit some innocent stalactite, start up a minute's worth of reproachful echoes. Yes, got to keep it down in the inventorium. Make a ruckus, and it shall be returned to you a thousandfold. Probably helps to keep things civil during the selection process. Stops people shouting at each other when things get heated. <laughs> heated? That's one area where the inventorium did not impress you. Hopefully there's a thermostat somewhere that Deddy can crank up when he's expecting company. Creature comforts aside, however, Deddy played the dutiful tour guide, and he seemed to find you gratifyingly enthralled. At length he turned his sparkly purple footsteps towards that central, table-adjacent phenomenon. You may as well just call it the table. It's obviously used as one now, though you've no idea what it was originally. It's currently a flat-topped stone ring, but you suspect that it started off as some sort of geological anomaly, a big rock bubble, until the Office of Invitation knocked its head in and leveled out the remainders into something that a few dozen college heads can sit round. It's made of quite a different sort of stone from the rest of what's lying about. The cavern itself is that brownish-gray limestone, but the table is dark and even and odd. 
Almost like porcelain, you'd have said. <sighs> Where's a geologist when you need one? <laughs> you ought to email Unique. See if you can coax her back to civilization. Oh, the things you could show her. <laughs> At any rate, whatever the Invitorium's table is made of, it's got less friction to it than Deddy evidently expected. He trotted up and performed a Luke Duke slide across it, but he used too much oomph and disappeared down the hole in the middle, like Alice down the rabbit hole. Fortunately, the spry old image is indestructible. A moment later, his head popped up over the table's lip. Welcome to the Invitorium, Mr. Ward. Please, do have a seat. Now, that was the first time you've seen Deddy stand up fully. He really is remarkably tall. You just don't notice it because of that question-mark stoop of his. He came by it honestly, at any rate. He'd crack his head open if he tried straightening up like that inside the OFR. Anyhow, he straightened and stretched and waved to indicate the surrounding circle of dusty stone cubes, placed by somebody who knew that people would need to sit, but didn't much care if they enjoyed it. You're not fussy, although the seat of the salt and lyle's a bit worse for the experience. You sat as instructed, but not before craning over to see what had happened to the lower portion of your scholar of the law. Sure enough, the floor inside the ring is about three foot lower than its surroundings. It rather breaks up the general raw nature aesthetic as well. It's that rugged, non-slip flooring stuff, patterned in a big Aldergate University crest. Still, on the whole, you're for it. The vibrant vermilion makes a rather pleasing contrast to the general caviness. And what could be more altergation than planting the stamp of human industry in the midst of desolation? As you reflected upon this, Deddy was pottering about down in the hole, poking through boxes he'd got strewn about. Everything okay? you asked. <laughs> there is something unquieting about any arrangement that puts a man in a pit with a circle of spectators all round. Rather reminds you of that awful woodcut in the British Museum, Ye Aldergate Cure. You're right down there. I won't be, he replied, continuing to rummage. If I've managed to lose the... Aha! Crisis averted. He extracted a tablet and drifted back in your direction as he poked away at it. <sighs> Unfortunately, it appears that my lictor has already begun uploading this year's candidates. Yes, she ought to, of course, but, alas, I fear it would not be appropriate for me to. Ah, ah, but, never mind, here we are. He glanced up at you and beamed. It seems we have not deleted last year's lot. It is a habit here, I suppose. Preserve everything for the records. Nothing gets thrown away. Excellent. We shall have a proper demonstration after all. 
And now... He straightened once more, and turned his eyes to the stalactite-riddled ceiling. He raised the tablet dramatically. Behold. At once the gentle ambient lighting exploded into a searing sodium yellow. Hidden floods burst into blinding life, and every shadow in that home of ancient shadows was ruthlessly eradicated. Ah! As you massaged your eyeballs against your forearm, you heard Deddy staggering about. Sorry, sorry, my mistake. There. You risked a peek. Normalcy had been restored, and you and Deddy blinked for a bit to clear your retinas. All right now. The second time is, I hope, the charm. In earnest now, if you please, behold. He stroked the tablet, gently, and the light drained from the inventorium. Only a faint blue glow remained, barely enough to pick out the texture of the surrounding cavern, which seemed suddenly larger than before. You stared upward, your eyes and brain arguing peevishly over whether you were looking at a fancy bit of dirt a dozen yards away, or into the vault of some trackless universal void. And then, the abyss dilated above you, and you saw the world. You hadn't noticed the screen before, and even afterwards, when you knew it was there, you could barely make out the great disk of optical smart glass hanging overhead. Planet Earth, Deddy intoned, and then the little spinning blue marble split and unfolded spreading its wings into a great jeweled waterman butterfly projection. Home to billions upon billions of that most remarkable and troublesome of species, Homo sapiens. A wine-colored blot appeared in the green mass of Africa, a ravenous rash that grew and spread from continent to continent. We have been remarkably successful for an animal so incapable of living in harmony with itself. Indeed, we have never hesitated to compound our many natural problems with our own self-inflicted strife. History's pages run red from the eternal argument, Who is them, and who is us? Abruptly, the dark wash of simulated humanity sprouted pinpricks of ruby light, thousands of them, stabbing out into the darkness. Here we concern ourselves with that second question. Deddy walked over to where you were gulping up the light show. He set the tablet in front of you, Then he placed his hands on the lip of the table and boosted himself up next to it. Those little dots, 
he confided, represent each and every candidate to receive consideration last year. Quite a good crop, if I do say so myself. Of course, we always keep the paper files in the archives, but... He stroked the tablet with a knobbly forefinger, and the pinprick lights sparked in turn, leaping out of the map to display a face and a name. Deddy chuckled. I do not know if it is better than the old way, but you must agree that it is very pretty, and it helps to keep things organized. Once selection begins, you see... The names and headshots retreated. Then the kingdom of Saudi Arabia sprouted an icon, the proud fox crest of McNaughton College. Ah, yes, McNaughton made the first peak last year. Deddy chuckled. They ought to have been well down in the rotation, but they got first overall from Pell Parvis in exchange for their second, third, and, I believe, Tenth selections. Really? Is that a fact? You were equal parts shocked and charmed. Does a lot of that sort of horse trading go on? You oughtn't really to have been surprised. Where there's a valuable commodity, there will be a market. But, sweet mercy... Imagine if you and Sammy knew which of you had gone higher in the draft order. <laughs> oh, yes. There was a young game designer last year that McNaughton was terribly keen on. They have been building up their school of decision theory quite aggressively. Did not want to risk Garten and Purse pinching her. Deddy laced his knuckles atop his head. It generally takes the full five days of bonfire for the college heads to settle on a conclusion that could have been reached in the first five minutes if they'd only read the files and submit a list of ranked choices. And, of course, after the first few years, most scholars emancipate anyhow. Nevertheless, the ceremony of selection is important. Not merely in the matter of who is invited. A college leaves its mark upon its scholars, I believe. He grinned down at you from his perch. And vice versa, of course. Elden House is, I am sure, very proud to have invited the university's 51st vice-chancellor. Do you know, I believe that I remember. The old man sighed. Can it really have been twenty years ago? Now you would have been twelve or thirteen years old, I believe. Oh, we did not have all the lovely technology back then. But I can well remember passing your file round and round the circle. Daddy paused. <sighs> but forgive me. I stray close to the border of that which is forbidden. The confidentiality of the inventorium must remain inviolate. Anyhow, let us proceed. Deddy tapped the tablet, and college crests burst into being all across the map. Thirty colleges, of course. 
and thirty invitations per college. There we are. The lights came up. The glorious butterfly map, now pocked with the nine hundred little icons of last year's chosen ones, became pale and translucent. So, Mr. Ward, there you have it. Deddy slid down into the center of the ring once more. Thank you for indulging my little vanity. I trust you understand that I intend no offense when I say that a vice-chancellor ought to understand how very much thought and effort is invested into every altercation even before they first set foot upon the university's hallowed soil. And now, he continued, before you could embarrass yourself trying to answer, I must delay you no further. Let us proceed to the archives. Well, right ho, of course. You stood and dusted off the old trouser seat. Deddy raised a hand to you, which you found surprising but oddly touching. He hadn't needed any help before, but you weren't going to refuse the fellow. You braced yourself and clasped his hand in yours. All you can say is that the confidentiality of the Invitorium had better extend to the guided tours. You don't want Deddy dining out on the story of how the new VC stood about like a tit for the world's longest seven seconds, trying to hold his hand. Ah, are you coming up? you asked, finally once it had become quite obvious that he wasn't. <laughs> Forgive me. Of course you could not know. No, Mr. Ward. He waggled his goatee puckishly. No, Mr. Ward. I am not coming up. You, Mr. Ward, are coming down. Well, then. And so the descent continues. How much deeper must our hero go before he gets to the bottom of this manifold matryoshka of mysteries? Well, we shall just have to see, shan't we? Join me every second Sunday for a fresh episode of The Aldergate Papers. Right now, however, you must help me help myself. Do please find the Aldergate Papers on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. And spread the word, won't you? Point your friends to thealdergatepapers.com. Until next time, I am and shall remain your humble servant, Adrian Ward. You're listening to Tuesday Terrors on the Mutual Audio Network. Tomorrow is our weekly anthology for science fiction and fantasy with Wednesday Wonders.
Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of amazing audio. Or find the Wednesday Wonders feed in your favorite podcast players. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.